We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And happy holidays. Uh, I hope all of you had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you all got to see your friends, family, loved ones, whatever that may be. I hope you got to enjoy some great food. I hope you got to enjoy some great places, just some positive vibes, some good things. And if you didn't, I apologize for bringing it up in a rough time of year. I know that there's plenty of out, people out there, probably plenty of listeners that just don't have as much family as they'd like or aren't in a position to spend time with their family. And, you know, the holidays can be a rough time of year for some people. But either way, I hope everybody is, is just finding a way to embrace the good, spend time with family, uh, enjoy some good food. Uh, we made our our contribution to the family feast was like a jello salad where it's like, strawberry jello with like little chunks of strawberry and banana in it and it's like a layer of that then it was a layer of like strawberry flavored sour cream sounds weird isn't weird tastes amazing and then there's another layer of strawberry jello with little chunks of strawberry and pine uh and oh and pineapple with it in and everything so pretty amazing stuff and and me and 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 the woman decided we wanted to go all out we made them in individual little cups and they were all like perfectly measured. So they were all like all the layers were like the same height in every cup. It was ridiculous, completely unnecessary, but tasted hella good. And it's a recipe passed down uh, in my family that my grandma used to make. Grandma's no longer with us. And so we all kind of took on little recipes from the family. And that was the recipe that I got to take. Um, and so it, it means a lot to make it and do it right and make it nice. So that's what we did. Everybody loved it. Looked great. I should post a picture of it on Twitter. I should have taken a better picture of him, actually. I don't even think I took a good picture of him. But either way, good shit. It was awesome. 49ers pitching a shutout over the Saints. 13-0. Weird game, right? Weird game. Weird game from start to finish. Impressive game from a defensive standpoint. My goodness. My goodness. We're, like like uh, Jason Aponte said, I'm going to get to his tweet in a little bit. It's just we're running out of ways to praise this 49ers defense, and that is Jason Aponte of the Sprint Ride Podcast. I believe also of the Blue Wire Network. Yep, came through the Blue Wire Blue Wire Hustle program. So shout out to those boys. Um, so I mean, obviously, anytime you ever mention a shutout in the NFL, it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, it's the first shutout for the New Orleans Saints. In over 20 years, almost 21 years. That's wild. I don't care who they got a quarterback. I don't care. I mean, I get it. You know, a huge chunk of that 20 years was the Drew Brees era, but fuck it, man. It's shut out. It's what it is. Okay. The 49ers are now in solo possession of the NFC West. The Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals all lost. 
So it was a good day for 49ers fans. Good day for the 49ers. It feels like, you know, feel it's feeling like the holidays in Santa Clara. In terms of division record, the 49ers are in first place at, with seven and four. The Seahawks are six and five, having lost to the Raiders in overtime today. Cardinals are four and eight, and they lost not in overtime, but to the Chargers today. The Chargers scored. Uh, they had a they had a two minute drive at the end of the game to tie the game up. They scored, but they elected to go for the two point conversion rather than tie it up. And uh, Justin Herbert threw it to Gerald Everett, and that sealed that. And then the Rams got pushed around by the Saints. So, or excuse me. I don't know why I said Saints. The Chiefs. My bad. So the 49ers are in first place. They also have the best division record. I believe they're 4-0 in the division, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I would have to go back and look. I'm not looking at the division records. They just are uh, they're in sole place of the NFC now. So I believe there are the number three seed in the playoff race right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, they if they're ahead in the first in the NFC West, they're guaranteed a berth into the playoffs. Um, and even if they weren't, I still think they—I I think they'd be in one of the wild card spots, obviously. So, um, 49ers in a good spot right now with some interesting matchups coming up. A tough matchup coming up next week. Um, oh, and I wanted to before we get going into the into the game, I wanted to give a special shout out to Mike McVeigh and 49er Hodge. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't know your first and last name, uh, but Mike graciously sent me a picture of the two of them outside of Levi Stadium, just looking and happy as all hell. And uh, Mike said, this is what happens when a great podcast, Striking Gold, unites two dedicated listeners. Keep the great content going and go Niners. Great meeting you, Eric. So I'm assuming Eric is 49er Hodge. But awesome. I mean, it's it's cool as hell to get those things, get those types of tweets, man. Mike is obviously a huge, uh, you know, a very faithful supporter of the podcast. He's been around for a long time. He's always in the takeaways. He just is a 100% supporter of the pod. But to get stuff like that, you know, it just it extends beyond the realm of podcast stuff. It just makes you feel like you're doing something cool with your life. And my obviously my life doesn't revolve around the podcast. Y'all know that. Um, I'm a school teacher and a football coach as well. And I'm engaged. I don't even know if I had ever said that. I did. I told you guys a story. You know, so obviously we've got things going on, but it just it's it's just a human thing, you know. You just feel like you're doing something good and you know, and that you're not just sitting on the mic wasting your time, and it's cool. I love it. And you know, we—I think it was last week where we we had a comment talking about how they appreciated the fact that I did the takeaways, and it's something that they look forward to every week. So to get that means a lot, and I appreciate it, Mike. It's just—it's very nice gesture, and it just makes me feel good in my heart, warm and fuzzy. And it's the holidays, so it fits right in. So I hope you guys had a great time. I'm glad you guys got to witness the shutout. Oh, and quick little side story. Um, I, like I said, I believe his name's Eric, 49er Hodge. When the 49ers played the Packers in the NFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl, I elected, um, rather than being up in the press box, I elected to sit in the stands with Eric Crocker. Him and I sat next to each other. And right on the other side of Eric Crocker and his wife Stevie was 49er Hodge. And he sat next to us the whole time. And I believe it was at... Oh, if it might, I think it was at the end of the game, after the game, or at some point towards the end of the game, he, I think one of us needed to walk by Eric, and he just goes, "Hey, are are you are you Rob Louder? Is, is this are you like he just realized that he was sitting? Not, I mean, I'm not like, you know, it's n- not a weird flex or anything, but it's like he he sat next to us the whole game, didn't even realize he was sitting next to us, and then finally realized it towards the end of the game and decided to uh, to talk to us. So. It was just a funny situation, and obviously the 49ers whooped that ass uh, on the Packers. Uh, that was Raheem Mostert's insane game. I think he had four touchdowns that game. So anyways, I had met Eric before, and uh, then, you know, like I said, just to see this, it's cool, man. It's just cool. Uh, I'm, I hope you guys had a great time. From the picture, it looks like you guys had a great time, and obviously the result was what you were hoping for. So shout out to uh, Michael McVay and 49er Hodge slash Eric, and uh, I appreciate the, uh, the tweet, and it, it means a lot. But let's uh, let us continue. 49ers were coming off a very, very odd week. They played on Monday night in Mexico in elevation. Uh, they worked the Cardinals over. If you haven't watched that episode of Hard Knocks on HBO, the Cardinals in season, 
um, episodes, you need to check it out. It, it, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. It, it makes, it basically makes it seem like it's just the saddest movie in the world. And the 49ers, the antagonists, and it, it's pretty, it's a, it's a must watch. So, but we're, it, again, it's an odd week. The 49ers came home. I believe they got back like, at like three or four in the morning on Tuesday morning. And then, you know, that throws off the whole, I mean, what do you do with that day? I mean, yeah, players would get some sleep on the plane, but that's not that long of a flight. And it, it just, so that was their Tuesday, Monday night slash Tuesday. It was Monday night, right? Yeah, it was. Okay. I, for some reason, I was trying to convince myself it was Sunday night. And then, you know, a couple days later, you've got Thanksgiving. You're coming off that, sh- that stint in Mexico. Get home hella early. I don't know what that day was like. I'm assuming they had that day off, or maybe they had an afternoon, a late afternoon practice. Gave the players time to sleep. That throws your sleep schedule off. Uh, they they didn't even have a full-speed practice until Friday. Now, Fred Warner did praise Kyle Shanahan and how he organized the week. He said it went really well, and they were perfectly energized, and this wasn't, you know, the, the, the week wasn't a factor. And, and given what the defense was able to do, maybe the week wasn't a factor because, goddamn, that unit just put on a show. Uh, the offense, we'll get to that, just kind of sputtered their way through the game, but just an odd week. So I think the reason I'm saying this, because I think with it being an odd week, we expected an odd result. We expected a weird game. I think all of us kind of had a weird vibe going into this game. We, I, I'm pretty sure everybody was in unanimous agreement that this was not going to be a regular game and it was going to be a, an ugly win. And that's exactly what it ended up being. I mean, 13 to zero sounds great from a shutout standpoint, but you're still talking about 13 points from an offense that we were kind of like starting to feel a little bit, starting to, uh, starting to hype up. And the saints are putting together a pretty good defense, but kind of no excuse to, for that offensive performance, but we'll get to that later. Uh, real quick injury roundup. Uh, Elijah Mitchell suffered an MCL sprain. Uh, he started to get some serious run there. In like the second quarter, uh, Christian McCaffrey was on the sidelines dealing what Kyle Shanahan labeled as knee soreness. Uh, so Elijah Mitchell was getting some snaps, but then Elijah Mitchell uh, apparently suffered an MCL sprain. That's what the 49ers think it is right now. It's on a different leg than the one he just recovered from, which, you know, the reason he missed the first two months of the season. Um, but it's not expected to be as serious. I don't know how much time Elijah Mitchell's going to miss. I don't want to put a guess on it, but it's not... It's not as serious as the last one, but it's still unfortunate. You know, it's testing that running back depth given the 49ers just traded Jeff Wilson Jr. a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, I had to take a, a little drink of my Kirkland Diet Green Tea with citrus flavor. If you haven't tried it, it's actually pretty damn good, pretty damn refreshing. I love drinking it, and it's like something that's not super unhealthy to drink, but I find it very tasty. Uh, Spencer Burford, the 49ers right guard that rotates with. Uh, Daniel Brunskill, he suffered an ankle sprain. It's not believed to be a high ankle sprain. Um, they had him in a boot after the game just in case, but not serious. You know, regular ankle sprains, you may not even miss a week. You may miss one, two, but, you know, when you're talking high ankle sprains, you're talking about a month plus. So um, should be okay there. Uh, like I said earlier, Christian McCaffrey's dealing with some knee imita- irritation. It's something new that happened throughout the game. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem to believe it's serious, but I have a feeling we're going to learn more about that better for better or for worse later. Um, Debo Samuel had a thigh contusion, which is a fancy word for a bruise. Maybe it's a bad bruise. I don't know. But uh, Debo Samuel, he still had a pretty good game. He was still playing. I don't I don't know if he ever came out. Did he ever come out of the game? Or was he just dealing with that injury? I'm not sure. It seemed like he was he was playing the doing the damn thing throughout most of the game. I just don't know when his last when his last play was, I uh, still had seven targets and three catch. So yeah, we'll see on Debo Samuel. It doesn't sound serious as well. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's knees a little sore. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo said he, the shot he took to the knee uh, well after he threw the ball was just one of the questionable hits against the saints. And he kind of seemed in, in typical Jimmy Garoppolo, respectable, nicest guy on the planet kind of said like, look, we're all in the NFL together and I understand that you're trying to make a play, but we have to look out for each other because he essentially dove at Jimmy Garoppolo and put his helmet right into his knee, which uh, for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who has torn ACLs uh, and dealt with some serious lower body injuries, that's not going to make him very happy. And he said, like he said, he said that was just one of many. So I don't know what other hits were going on. I know that he took quite a few shots to the head, which is amazing. I keep going back to that 
ejection of Dre Greenlaw against Herbert. Like, dude, you watch the NFL in, in that situation. Watch the NFL and and watch how many times a defender comes up and hits a play an offensive player with in with the ball in the head. And it's like it makes. I'm not saying that what's happening is a bad thing. I'm not saying that contact is bad. I'm saying the the ejection of Greenlaw and the fine and the penalty is bad because it just happens all the damn time against runners. Now, if it was a sliding quarterback or somebody that was offered more protection, a quarterback in the pocket different conversation, but you would be surprised how often an offensive player with the ball is hit in the head by another player with their head and nothing happens. It's just weird how the NFL looks at it. So those are the injuries. Again, just to wrap them up real quick, Elijah Mitchell, MCL sprain, Spencer Burford, ankle sprain, Christian McCaffrey, knee irritation, Debo Samuel, thigh bruise, and Jimmy Garoppolo, knees a little sore, nothing serious. All right. The defense, man. The defense, the defense, the defense. It was, it's unreal. And I mentioned Jason Aponte earlier. He fired out a tweet that said he's, you know, and it basically what it is, it's comparing the 49ers defense to NFL averages in terms of yards per game. The 49ers allow 283. The NFL average is 342, a 58 yard difference. Yards per play 49ers 4.6, NFL 5.4. Rushing yards per game. NFL 120, 49ers 81. Rushing yards per play, 4.4 for the NFL, 3.3 for the 49ers defense. Passing yards per game, 221 NFL, 202 49ers. Passing yards per play, 6.6 NFL, 6 for the 49ers. Interception rate, 2.1% for the NFL, 2.69%. Nice for the 49ers. Sacks per pass attempt. 7.2% for the NFL, 9.5% for the 49ers. First downs a game, average 20 for the NFL, 16.8 for the 49ers. So in in just almost every, now there are many more statistical categories, but in almost every statistical category, the 49ers defense is significantly below averages. The NFL broadcast today said the 49ers are the best defense in the NFL, and they are the best defense in the NFL on third and long. Not quite. They're they're actually the absolute worst defense in the NFL on third and short, but I'm not going to knock them on that right now. It is just an insanely dominant unit that completely shut down everything the Saints wanted to do from every part of the field. If you go to the Saints' possessions, here's the whole game. First possession, fumble. That was... Uh, Fred Warner punched the ball out from Alvin Kamara. First possession for the Saints. Fumble. Punt. 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 End of half. Missed field goal. Fumble. Turnover on downs, and that's it. Just an unbelievably dominant game. And I'm not saying the Saints offense is just outstanding, but it's certainly capable of a lot more than that. Even if you look at the number of plays, Saints first drive. Four plays, four plays, five plays, three plays, three plays, two plays, 12 plays, missed field goal, 12 plays, fumble on the goal line, nine plays, turnover on downs, ending with a Nick Bosa sack. Just like dominant, dominant, dominant. I'm looking last. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got uh, the last play of this in the fourth quarter. The Saints got all the way to the 49ers' six-yard line. That drive ended with a fumble at the goal line caused by Talanoa Hufunga, recovered by Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw was tackling Alvin Kamara. Kamara was pushing him into the into the end zone. He was about to cross the threshold, and here comes Talanoa Hufunga, head straight into the ball, knocks it sky into the air. 49ers recover. The Saints' last drive ended on the 49ers' four-yard line with a Nick Bosa sack that was timed to perfection. Uh, Kyle Madsen of the uh, Niners Wire and the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, he tweeted out a screenshot that showed Nick Bosa exactly where... There was a lot of people that were like, Nick Bosa had to have been offsides. I don't know why they didn't call it. Shout out to the ref that didn't call it, because when you look at Kyle Madsen's screenshot, he said it was the frame before the ball moved. And Nick Bosa is in his stance where he needs to be. But when you watch that play, you could swear to yourself that he's offside because of how quickly he gets off the ball. 
the offensive tackle he was facing got off the ball around the same time. So there was nothing to call, but just an absolutely perfectly timed jump. And he broke around, he got around the arc, got around the offensive tackle and sacked Andy Dalton to, uh, to put a stamp on the end of the game. Just an unbelievable performance. It, it's, it's really quite unreal. Um, the Saints got the ball several times on a short field. They got the ball on the 49ers 28-yard line. Or excuse me, the 49ers 38-yard line, the 49ers 39-yard line, the, their own 31-yard line. Some decent starting field position and just got nothing out of it, which is just pretty unbelievable that, that someone that they could not produce any points. I mean, if you just watch that game, the Saints were pushing themselves a little bit. They knew they needed points. They were, you know, there were a couple instances in there when they probably could have just kicked a field goal. But even saying that, they tried to attempt a field goal from the 30-yard line, and they missed it. So that's why they're not going for field goals, because they probably don't have a whole lot of faith in their kicker. But just an unbelievably dominant performance from the defense. Big plays in big moments. Alvin Kamara with two fumbles. One in the beginning of the game forced by Fred Warner, and the other one uh, right on the goal line that we talked about forced by Talano Hufunga with the assist from Dre Greenlaw. Nick Bosa's fourth down sack, just perfection. And then you go to like the team stats. The 49ers had 21 first downs. The the Saints only managed 14. They were only 4 of 11 on third down. They only had 260 yards. They averaged 4.9 yards per game, which is actually pretty good. That just tells you how much the 49ers were willing to stop the Saints in key moments. The Saints were able to put together some bigger plays to keep that average up, but the 49ers, when they needed to, just completely locked it down. Very situational. You could you could feel the 49ers defense ebb and flow based on the situation and what they needed to do. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. They held the Saints to only 25 minutes time of possession compared to the 49ers 35. Jump on over to the box score. Talano Hufanga had nine total tackles and a forced fumble. Fred Warner had seven total tackles, a quarterback hit, two pass breakups, and a forced fumble. Just affecting the game at every level. Seven total tackles, that's second on the team in defense, but also had a quarterback hit, which is rushing the passer, also had two pass breakups, which is in coverage, and also had a forced fumble. Just an unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. Dre Greenlaw, five tackles, one pass breakup, one fumble recovery. Nick Bosa, three total tackles, the only sack of the game, and two quarterback hits and one tackle for loss. The, uh, the Saints, I mean, the Saints only managed one sack on Jimmy Garoppolo. But he was getting hit what seemed like a little bit more often. The 49ers had five quarterback hits. Uh, the Saints had one, two, three, four. They only had they had six. But Jimmy Garoppolo took some hits in that game that was a little concerning. You know, he got up slowly a couple times. But anyways, like I said, just an unbelievable performance from the 49ers defense. Again, the Saints drives, fumble, punt, 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 end of half, missed field goal, fumble, downs, over. I mean, that is – that doesn't happen very often. And we need to appreciate that. And uh, as m- I do feel like the 49ers are figuring things out on offense, but today was was not the day. You've got just an odd, odd performance. It was really hard for me watching that game to understand why things weren't working. Usually you can po- point to a few things, but it, they just fell short of the sticks quite a few times. There were quite a few penalties that put – either should have continued drives or continued drives or set the 49ers back a bit. Jimmy Garoppolo still had a decent day in terms of box score production. Uh 26 of 37, that's 70%, 222 yards, uh one touchdown, no turnovers, a 94.7 quarterback rating. But it just like it was kind of like this I don't know, it's I'm really struggling to define what that 49ers offense was. It just, I understand that they, they, the, the 49ers had a ton of praise for the Saints defense. But when you look at the Saints schedule going back from the 49ers game, the Rams were able to put, tw- put up 20 on the, on the, on the Saints. Now they did get Cam Jordan back, which is a very, uh, very underrated, I mean, maybe properly rated, but a very, very good defensive lineman and pass rusher. Um, the the Pittsburgh Steelers put up 20 on the Saints defense. The Rams put up 20 on the Saints defense. 
The Ravens put up 27 on this Saints defense. Uh, the Raiders got shut out. The Arizona Cardinals put on put up 42 on this Saints defense. Bengals put up 30. The Seahawks put up 32. The Vikings put up 28. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I felt like after that last game, the 49ers offense was really starting to click, and we may see you know an offense with a little bit more swagger, with a little bit different, the more aggressive identity. But we didn't see that. They they struck. They they scored three points in the second half. Three. That's it. And and they barely scored that. And then even the touchdown that they did score was was lucky. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo threw it in the end zone. Tyron Matthew got his hand on it, tipped it up in the air, but then it came down right into the hands of Juwan Jennings, um, who had an outstanding game, by the way. Third and Juwan for sure. But it's like the touchdown you scored, they barely scored, you know, and then they had two field goals other than that. It was just a weird performance, and, I, and I'm hesitant to give the Saints defense as much credit as I probably should. I'm more lean towards the 49ers offense just being a little too stagnant for my for my comfort. You know, they're going to go against the Miami Dolphins next week, which are just eviscerating people. I think they beat the Texans like 30 something to to 15 today today and they were in they had like that 30 nailed down within like the first half and ended up pulling uh, what's his name? Tua out like in like somewhere in the third quarter could have been the beginning of the fourth. So you've got a, a, a very hot Miami Dolphins team led by Mike McDaniel. Who's going to know what the 49ers do on defense. That works both ways though. But it's just like this 49ers offense isn't going to be able to put up 13 point performances against solid defenses. They're going to have to, I, I, the Saints defense might be good. But the 49ers offense still has to be better than that. They have too much talent to justify that. You know, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, don't care whose fault it is. They have got to put together better than 13 points. It's just, it's weird. And it's weird that I have no solid grasp on it. Like, I I can't watch that game. I, I could probably come up with something a little more detailed for you guys if I went back and watched it again. Maybe I'll try and do that a little later this week. But it just felt weird. It felt like, okay, they're making little gains, but they just can't finish a drive over and over and over. And if you look at the 49ers drives, like we've looked at the Saints, you know, you've got field goal, punt, punt, turnover on downs, touchdown. Field goal, punt, punt, in the end of the game. So not a whole lot to take from it there. Not quite the Saints' offensive performance. Obviously, the 49ers managed points, but you've got 11 plays, 6 plays, 6 plays, 11 plays. And even on that 11-play uh, drive, the 49ers went for it on fourth down on the goal line and didn't get it. 9 plays, touchdown, 9 plays, field goal, 3 plays, 3 plays, 11 plays, and the game's over. Shout out to uh, Jordan Mason for putting that game on ice. But just a weird, inconsistent, up-and-down game for the 49ers. And maybe if they do score... Uh, in the second quarter when they had that 11-play drive that that was stopped on the one-yard line, maybe we're not having as much of this conversation. It'll be 20-0, to zero and, you know, so maybe there's a little bit of circumstantial stuff there. You know, maybe there's just a little bit of, of, of okay, let's not be that hard on them. I don't know, but turning the, turning the ball over on downs on the one-yard line should be something that's inexcusable. Just an odd performance, an odd performance. I wish I had something more eloquent, something more detailed to add to that, but it's just it just felt weird, and I feel like no matter what you no matter how you want to describe it, it's just not for what it's not the standard forty ers defense or excuse me offense needs to be putting up more than that period 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 um I mean you had Garoppolo was up and down, he missed an open Christian McCaffrey along the sideline that would have converted for a big play. Depending on how McCaffrey catches it and cuts inside, could have been a touchdown. The safety was coming over, but I gotta, I gotta do a little, a little character assassination here. I'm just gonna call him Noel on Twitter. I'm not gonna call, say his whole name, give you his handle, all that stuff. Y'all can do that investigative work, but I just, I want to know why there always has to be some dumbasses on Twitter. 
You know what I mean? I want to know why there always has to be some dumbass. Why does there always have to be a dumbass? Seem like it's like a, a a rule of the universe. But it was almost universal accepted, universally accepted that Garoppolo missed an open Christian McCaffrey along a sideline. Everybody knew it. Everybody saw it. It wasn't confusing. But there's always some dumbass on Twitter that writes something like, laugh out loud, laughing emoji, safety right on him over the top, clown talk. Like, what game were you watching, dude? The safety didn't get to McCaffrey until McCaffrey had already ran out of bounds and was like, damn, I missed it. And McCaffrey even, like, tried to flop a little bit when the guy when the guy ran into him because he was like, ooh, maybe I'll throw a flag. The safety was nowhere near McCaffrey. McCaffrey had, like, 10 yards between him and that safety. McCaffrey could have caught the ball if it was on him and either decided if he wanted to race him down the sideline or immediately cut inside and make a miss, which is what I think he would have done. But it's like, why do you need to be a dumbass, dude? Do you like, don't sit behind a keyboard and just say whatever comes into your stupid head because there's no repercussions. Just be a better, like, be a better uh, representation of yourself. It's just so dumb that, like, some of the stuff you would, you guys would be so nauseated at the shit I have to read on Twitter all the time. And that's what I get for, you know, walking down this path. But, like, no matter what, like, I could say, Jimmy Garoppolo's pass was incomplete to Brandon Ayuk, uh, third down. And there will be at least four replies saying, Jimmy's fault, bad throw. Ayuk's got to catch that. Like, or any, it's just the worst. And then, you know, Noel here is included in the dumbassery by somehow seeing that play and thinking the safety was going to influence it all. Go back and watch the play, weirdo. But just do better for yourself and for your family and for represent your parents better than that. Like, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Why do I have to read this shit on Twitter? So dumb. So dumb. I'm losing brain cells. Let's move on. Let's get to your takeaways. Let's actually read shit on Twitter that makes sense. And read shit on Twitter that matters, that's enjoyable. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not that dumbass shit from Noel. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, kids. Sorry, parents. If you're, I, I should be better than that. Anyways. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's do this. I'm going to start at the top this time. I believed it started at the bottom last week. So let's start at the top. Let's get to the takeaways. Let's do this damn thing. JF too fresh, ugly win. Normally I'd be frustrated, but no way we win this game earlier in the year. Team is feeling comfortable winning the tough ones. Oh, and 12 weeks in, and I still can't stand Carlos Ramirez. Who's Carlos Ramirez? I'm going to look him up. I feel like I should know. Let me see. I'm Googling it right now. Carlos Ramirez, NFL. Oh, uh. Dang, Carlos Ramirez is uh, is is of NBC Sports Bay Area. I don't I don't know where that came from. Uh, I'm not throwing any shade at Carlos Ramirez. I don't, but that's 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 too fresh. I mean, hey man, if he if he doesn't like Carlos Ramirez, and that's that's you guys got to handle that together. I don't. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna mediate that. 
hopefully you and Carlos Ramirez work that out. But hey, I I do I do get where you're coming from from that. When, this is if this is like the same type of game that the 49ers lost to the Bears earlier in the year. Um or the same type of game that the 49ers lost to the Broncos, you know, where it's just this ugly back and forth mistake-ridden type of game and the 49ers were able to control that type of game this time. I do agree with that. I can feel that. Uh, I hope you and Carlos Ramirez work it out, but I, I get what you're saying there. This team has evolved in a way where they can handle these ridiculous games. And here we've got Mike McVay. Obviously, I wish the offense did more, but I will take a win and a complete shutout any day. Plus, I was at the game in a suite. Okay. So, and I finally got to meet 49er Hodge. See, there we go. Mike McVay just keeping things positive. I love it. Um, I didn't know you were in a suite, dude. That's awesome, man. Those suites are awesome. I did. I've, I've spent some time in suites just wandering up to them so I could record a pod of some sort. They have, they are cool, especially they have those they have folding glass. So like you can fully enclose your suite in glass or like fold it up and move it out of the way. It's pretty cool. That's enough touchdowns, Jimmy. Yeah, he, I apparently heard you. Maybe the 49ers would have scored more points if the refs stopped extending drives for the Falcons. Maybe you meant Saints, but maybe you meant Falcons because it's funny. But the refs did seem like they played in a uh, too large of a role in the game. Um, there was there was on one play, Brandon I a deep shot to Brandon Ayuk where he got pulled in the jersey and face masked as the ball came in. Um, I saw a few other things here and there, some poor calls. Uh, Chance Womack was flagged for pass interference, which was a horrible call. It looked like textbook interference, uh, or excuse me, <laughs> textbook pass coverage. Um, there were a few more in there, but I just felt like the uh, the refs were just meddling a little too much, or or not. You know, I can't say or not meddling enough because things were just off. They were like interrupting the game in a way that didn't seem consistent or accurate. You know, which is, I guess that's officiating in a nutshell, but just weird. Omar Figs, Omar Figs, the 49ers shut out. The 49ers are defense, hashtag striking gold. Yeah, we talked about it, man. I mean, it's, I don't want to be too negative because it was a shutout and that's impressive on any weekend. Alan Chi used to be, I was most afraid of Jimmy making the boneheaded mistakes. He did get lucky with that call on the interception. Uh, yes, a... A pass interference-ish call brought back a Jimmy Garoppolo interception uh, where Jimmy Garoppolo actually made the tackle. But he did play really well. He was he was, he was was consistent. Jimmy Garoppolo did make some pretty sick throws under pressure. He had one where he was basically being tackled and he threw it off to the left for Elijah Mitchell to catch it and actually to, to catch and make a positive gain out of it. Um, one of the deep throws to Ray Ray McLeod, he got hit straight in the face right after the throw. He had another pass to Brandon Ayuk that was under pressure. He did have some pretty impressive throws. Now, Allen says, I'm mostly afraid of losing more guys to injury. Quite a few in this game. Yep, you're right. Quite a few. Not sure it, it could be. I, I, I'm of the opinion that it could be worse, but we'll see. You always kind of want to wait to the day after when like shit gets x-rayed, evaluated, MRIs, all that stuff. Chris Purvis. A lot of people complaining about the offense, and there are a few plays that you like to have back for sure, but Saints D is legit and played well. Officiating was horrendous. Yeah, we were just talking about that. And getting very old. Can't say enough about this D special group. For good injury updates, no easy win in NFL. Good, tough W. I like that. I like that. Um, I do think there's a discussion to be had about the offense, but again, if you watch that game, it just seemed weird seemed weird it wasn't necessarily like the 49ers were off their game the saints defense was just well prepared well coached and um they uh were, were able to keep the 49ers short of the sticks a lot uh milo can't put up massive points every game the Saints defense was bloody good today so a solid win from our boys i reckon i like that i like that i reckon red and gold niners are lucky the opposing quarterback was andy dalton saints are also lucky their opposing quarterback was jimmy garoppolo I guess, <laughs> I guess you could say that both ways. Although I'm not, I mean, a, a different quarterback probably does make better plays than Andy Dalton, but the 49ers defensive front was just consistently pressuring Andy Dalton and just disrupting him. Didn't get to him that many times. Didn't didn't hit him or sack him that many times, but he was moved off his spot a lot and forced to hurry up, forced to make errant throws. They were getting after him, but obviously, yes, I'm definitely not saying that. Andy Dalton didn't contribute to their own demise. 
Charlie Baker, the 49ers offense was weird today. See, I mean, at least somebody uses the same terminology as me. It was weird today. Weird is a good word. It's like, I don't want to say bad, but it was weird. Seemed like Kyle was just trying to scrape by with a W. It worked, but I think we need more from the offense going forward. I'll take that win, though. Great, great way to put it. And they do need more going forward. They're going to have to, their next two games are against the Dolphins and the Buccaneers. Both have competent offenses, you know, especially the Dolphins. Jesus. So they're going to have to match that. Jeffrey K. Lyles, winning trap games are key. Avoiding those bad losses are major to advancing the playoffs. I like your way of thinking. I like that. I like that. Avoiding those bad losses are major to advancing in the playoffs. And and I think that goes back to um, uh, Jay, uh, Too Fresh's comment up here saying, there's no way we win this game earlier in the year. So I think that kind of goes with Lyle's comment and saying, like, this is one of those games that the 49ers could have very easily lost, but they had their shit together. They had their shit squared away on a weird week, and they made it happen. So I like that. I like when when my takeaways are like working together and creative cohesive points and in turn make me sound smarter than I am. They're like, they're like helping me, you know, make points, which I'm not fooling anybody, but y'all, y'all got me. Uh, Ricardo Palacios. Our defense was great. Yes, it was. Yes, it was Ricardo Mondo. I almost said that like Dr. Disrespect Ricardo Palacios. Whenever he gets Dr. Disrespect, no Spanish. And he's from the the Southern California, San Diego area. I want to say he doesn't speak fluid Spanish, but he speaks a lot of Spanish. So whenever he gets anything, any donations from like a Spanish type of name, he always just goes full in with the rolling of the R's. I can't roll R's though. Sorry, Ricardo, but I did my best. Mondo con considered a trap game and it was one learn and move on. I like it. Mondo's story. I like it. Simple. And, and I would agree with you. Uh, Mark Dane, Juan Jennings earning more of that pie with hard-nosed early 2000s type football. Juwan Jennings, just an odd duck, man, in the best way. He's, he's tall. He's big. He's slow. He's almost like a move tight end. He's not fast, but he's got some twitchiness to him. He's tough to cover. Even Charvarius Ward in the beginning of the offseason was like, he's kind of tough. To, to He surprised me. And he is just absolutely reliable on third down. Jawan Jennings finished with seven targets. That's tied with Debo and one behind Ayuk. That's three more than George Kittle for six catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. And I want to say at least three of his catches, maybe four, were on third down. It could have been even five of those. Fuck it. It could have been all of them. But third and Jawan was in full effect. That man was moving the chains for the 49ers. And he's a perfect role player. When you've got a defense that's zeroed in on Ayuk and zeroed in on Debo, when I say Debo, and Samuel, and I mixed Debo and Samuel, that's what I did, and Kittle, you know, maybe McCaffrey's coming up, you know, he's just that like third or perfect third or fourth option on every play. And you could, you could tell that Jimmy Garoppolo trusts him, uh, you know, his trust in him as, as Lincoln says in the movie Lincoln, my trust in him is marrow deep. That's how I feel Jimmy Garoppolo feels about Jawan Jennings, for sure. Third and Jawan. Chris Wall, too many weapons for that kind of offensive production, and then there's a gift that says that is offensive. I do agree. I do believe the 49ers should do more than that, but I, I do think some credit has to be given to the Saints defense. They seem like they were very up to the task today, but I, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, as, as, as mediocre as that is. The 49ers offense didn't do enough, but the Saints defense was also impressive. So somewhere in the middle. Uh, Sontii. S-O-N-T-I-Y-I. What am I supposed to say there, guys? Sontii? Sontii? (laughs) Can't be that. Any day, any day can be bad O day. It's true. I mean, the offense is pretty inconsistent. We never really know what we're getting. Because you're right. Any day can be a bad offense day. Uh, Zanvero AO. Who do we have in the wings for when Ryan gets his head coach job? And then Marvin Gibson said our D line coach. And I would also agree with Zanvero's reply to that, which says, I kind of hope not because Surik has a thing going on with rehabbing D linemen on the cheap and flipping them for context, becoming a deep coordinator in Excel's may lose him altogether in two to three years. Um, 
Correct me if I'm wrong at some point, but I don't believe Chris Kacarek, the 49ers D-line coach, has aspirations to become a coordinator. I don't think he wants to. I think he likes coaching his position group. He's incredibly good at it. I wouldn't consider him a candidate to replace Kacarek or the to replace uh, D'Amico Ryan's. I, 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 maybe he could be swayed, but and I don't think the 49ers would want to sway him. I think they love having him there. I think Chris Kasurik would rather stay there. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure who would be in line to take D'Amico Ryan's head coach job. Um, there is an old 49ers defensive coordinator that's kind of hating, hanging around and that might want to come back. I'll let, you know, he's, he's been around. Let me see. I'm just going to look up something real quick. Because I don't believe he is currently employed. Uh, okay, y'all should know who I'm talking about. The one and only Vic Fangio. He hung around in the offseason a little bit. Did a little bit of uh, you know consulting. Kept his relationships fresh. I was just kind of Googling his name in the moment to see if he is currently employed with anyone else. I don't believe he is right now. Uh, he says he's a defensive consultant for the Philadelphia Eagles currently, and that's why I kind of t- t- took my time to look it up. And I wanted to, uh, I, you know, somebody that's in that position could absolutely be brought in to be the 49ers defensive coordinator. So if, if I had to guess, that would be, and the, the Eagles defense is great right now, so they don't really have reason to get rid of their defensive coordinator. And, or, or, you know, I don't necessarily think their defensive coordinator is primed for a head coach coaching position. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I'm going to stop right there. But Vic Fangio still floating around out there, and I think the 49ers would be very eager to have him back in the building. Just my guess. So good question, though. Uh, Pro Samurai, Lord Batard is ours. I don't even know what's going on there. Great game, but the offense has to get better. The defense might not bail them out, especially against a team that isn't boneheaded like the Saints. Right, the uh, the bite, the uh, the Dolphins are coming into town. Um, others, by D'Amico and the D, a damn three-course meal, dessert, and Rolls-Royces. Uh, 100%. It's time for the Saints to start Jameis and, and Dennis Allen. I don't care what the Saints do. Just give me Amory Thomas over D'Amador Lenore. God, I want to repent my sins which brought Lenore upon me. Did D'Amador Lenore have that bad of a game? I thought the holding call that got, he got flagged for in the end zone was a little tacky, you know, in tight space. I don't know. Uh, I But maybe there's something I'm missing. I didn't think he was that bad, but uh, that could one. I'm trying to focus on everything, and it's a little hard to pin one thing, especially in between plays. I'm trying to tweet and stuff. You just miss a lot. You do. Uh, we'd like good Jimmy G back, please, customs. <laughs> like he got left in Mexico. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Um. Okay. I did a I did a last call of hitting that red button, and then I got five more in here. So cool. Uh, Manuel Beltran Jr. Playbook redesigned for Trey. What does that have to do with anything? No playbook or offseason for Jimmy. Losing McDaniel, Mitcher injury earlier. Add McCaffrey during season. I feel like they're figuring this all out on the fly, and we'll be ready for the playoffs. Are those excuses or reality for Shanahan? Oh, okay, I get it. All right. So he's kind of listing all the things that have happened in terms of this offense since the beginning of the offseason. Uh, a playbook that was designed for Trey, although Shanahan did say he didn't really have to redesign his playbook much, but he could just be bullshitting. No playbook or offseason for Jimmy. I don't care about the playbook part because uh, I feel like when Jimmy Garoppolo was finally stepped in, he probably legitimately knew 90% of the offense like the back of his hand. The stuff he didn't know was the Trey-specific stuff, but Shanahan's playbook would still stay Mostly the same. They like to run multiple things out of similar formations. And I don't I don't put a lot of stock in the whole no playbook for Jimmy. I think he didn't need a playbook. But yeah, losing McDaniel, the Mitchell injury to start the season, you're adding McCaffrey in. I think those are all not necessarily excuses for Shanahan, but they're reasons the offense may not be quite punching at its weight. But I think at this point, those excuses should kind of be they don't apply anymore. I think that McCaffrey's been here a few weeks now. He should be ready to roll. Everybody else should be ready to roll. Jimmy Garoppolo not getting a playbook is in the past. They should be firing on all cylinders by now. Uh, Poppy Joe, this defense is stupid good. Even with the struggling interior line, they managed to get healthy. 
They're really in some all-time lists. Correct. Very much so. This, this is definitely an all-time defense if they maintain that. Um, But then that goes to show you how damn good the Chiefs' offense is. How comfortable do you feel with this defense playing a very familiar play caller in Miami? That's a good question. I don't feel very comfortable in it. Uh, but I, at the same time, when you think about the Rams and the Packers, they are very familiar with the 49ers do on defense, and the 49ers are very familiar with what they do on offense, and they've been very successful against those teams. So maybe maybe I should feel a little more comfortable with what's going to happen when Miami rolls into town. But, I mean, Miami is just on fire like in terms of what their offense does. So we'll see. Jason B., we were close to losing the season. We were very close to losing the season. If Jimmy is hit harder or a bit different and hurts his knee, we would be done. That's entirely correct. Michael Hernandez, just kind of scared to think about, huh? Michael Hernandez, not bad for a team that didn't do any practices until Friday. I agree. I think that should be taken into consideration. That being said, the defense was able to do everything they wanted to do while the offense still kind of huddered around. So it's kind of like uh, a lukewarm reason, but it still exists. Will Breezy, same shit all year, battle line, good defense, mediocre offense. <laughs> I think that's a great last one, Will Breezy. Same shit all year, battle line, good defense, mediocre offense. <laughs> that's that's just hella funny to me. I love it. I'm also easily amused, but good shit, good shit. All right, guys, that is the end of the takeaways, and I cannot get past these without always saying thank you for taking part. The fact that I can you know, that I can put out that tweet after the games on a weekly basis and know that you know half the podcast is us kind of having a discussion together. I just love it. I, I love it. Hopefully you guys like it. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully you don't just turn off the podcast once we get to the takeaways. Because, I mean, you if, if anything, instead of having that attitude, if that is your attitude, then don't click out. Start participating. Send me a tweet. I'm going to get to it. Um, we're doing, but anyways, thank you very much for all the takeaway tweets, everybody. I appreciate it. Um, again, as much as the offense still needs to improve, still an impressive game. Still an impressive game. I mean, you're talking a defensive shutout in 2022. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. I could smell dinner. It's almost done. I believe we're making homemade pizza. Uh, as Jack Black would say, I'm trying to watch my figure. But I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Please, if you, uh, um, we've got like a four point four point four star rating on iTunes. Um, much of that was established before this podcast even came. Strike and Gold, uh, for better or for worse, no, no, no slide at all. Um, but if you listen on iTunes, take two seconds to jump on there and leave us a. a let's get that up to four point five stars. You know, like let's. Let's bump that up a little bit. And I don't like soliciting positive feedback because I want the feedback to be genuine. But you could even leave a, a five stars and then offer some constructive feedback. I don't care. But I just I, I want to like you know I want to get my rep up as uh, as they say in the longest yard. Two stars, you know, two stars. I got to get my rep up. I got to stab somebody. Anyways, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Leave us a positive review if you feel like it. Don't. It's all good. You're already supporting us in the best way possible, which is just listen. So I appreciate you guys. You already know what it is, though. We'll be back on a little later this week, um, previewing the game against the Dolphins. Uh, again, hope you enjoyed your, your Thanksgiving weekend. And we're creeping towards Christmas. You are now cleared hot to fire on some Christmas music. Do it. I was already doing it, by the way. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But for another episode, we are signing out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.